0: All right, well, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 72. <coughs> Psalm 72. Follow along with me as I uh, read this passage for us, beginning in verse 1 of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame Continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. May God bless the reading. Of his Word. In our call to worship this morning, uh, the prophet Isaiah uh, described what life will be like in God's perfect kingdom. The Messiah will rule the world in righteousness and faithfulness. Predator and prey will dwell in harmony. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. It's a picture of what will take place when Jesus comes again to fully and finally restore all things. But how urgently do we pray that Jesus will come again to establish his perfect kingdom on the earth? Do we ask for this kingdom to come today, or do we want it to wait a few days, weeks, months, years? You know, maybe we want to accomplish some things in life before Jesus returns. You know, maybe we want to get married or have children or grandchildren, or maybe we want to go on that vacation that we've been planning for years. There could be many reasons why we don't want Jesus to come back today. But when we see the injustices in this world, you know, think of the, the mindless killings, the senseless beheadings, the starving refugees we may be more inclined to pray that Jesus will come back today. Psalm 72 seeks to encourage us to pray to that end. To pray that God's perfect kingdom will spread to the ends of the earth through his righteous king. So you will see that this whole psalm is, is all Gearing towards that ultimate end. Uh, the heading of this psalm is Of Solomon, which can either mean that Solomon wrote this psalm or uh, that it was written for Solomon. And given that verse 20 concludes with the prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended, it's more likely that this psalm was originally a prayer of David for his son Solomon. When he became king of Israel. Psalm 72 is classified as a royal psalm, just like Psalm 2, which we looked at a few weeks ago. It's a psalm that would have been prayed whenever a new king of Israel was crowned. And just like Psalm 2, this psalm looked forward to the worldwide rule of God's righteous king. The first stanza in the psalm is a prayer that God will give his justice and righteousness to the king of Israel. Look at verse 1. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. Um, A major concern, as we'll see throughout Psalm 72, is this concern for justice, for righteousness. God had given Israel specific instructions to care for the poor and the needy among them. Uh, We read in Deuteronomy 15, verse 11, for example, uh, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. However, there was often much injustice In Israel, the the rights of the poor and the needy were often trampled by the rich and the powerful. In Jeremiah 22, verse 13, the Lord rebukes the people of Israel, saying, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor serve him for nothing and does not give him his wages. In Mark 12, verses 38 to 40, uh, Jesus gives a similar rebuke to the Jewish leaders of his day. There he says, beware of the scribes who devour widows' houses. There is often very little, if anything, to be gained by helping people who lack resources or social capital, as we might say. And sadly, if there is nothing in it for them, uh, many people will often overlook and even oppress the poor and needy. Therefore, David prays, give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son, so that even if there is nothing in it for them, even, though, even if there is, there is nothing to be gained by helping them, he will continue to establish justice and righteousness. He will make that his aim. Notice that David's prayer is not merely that the king will be just, although that would be good in and of itself, but rather David prays that God will give his justice to the king. His prayer, too, is not merely that uh, the king will be righteous, but that God will give his righteousness to the king. The, the king of Israel was to rule not according to human standards of, of justice and, uh, and righteousness, and we could probably think of, of human standards of what that might look like, but, but according to God's standard of justice and righteousness. That, that elevates, that takes it to a whole new level. Uh, we must understand, too, that the people believed that uh, there is no authority except from God and and that those that exist have been instituted by God. We, we see that in, in Romans 13, verse 1. There, there's this connection between uh, the, the king of the universe and the king of Israel, where the king of Israel is an extension of the king of Israel or the king of the universe. And thus David prays that that the king of the universe might share his perfect justice and his perfect righteousness with the king of Israel. Now, what does this perfect justice and righteousness look like? Well, look at verse 2. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Right, again, justice and righteousness, those two words again there are mentioned. God is deeply concerned about social justice in Israel. Why? Why? Because the people are God's people and the poor are God's poor. Look look at the text. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. God wants his people and his poor to be treated fairly. In Isaiah 1 verse 17, God says, Learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. In Amos 5 verses 15 and 24, God again commands, hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. In other words, may the king of Israel treat God's people fairly. Look at verse 3. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. There's, there's that word righteousness again. Only here it's it's in the context of mountains and hills, which have to do with, with uh, Israel's landscape. The, the hills were fertile, but the mountains were barren. But here... David asks God that even the mountains may bear prosperity for the people. Now, that, that word translated as prosperity is shalom. We looked at that a little bit last week. It's a word that we often translate as, as peace, but shalom means more than just the absence of conflict. Shalom is a, is a kind of wholeness, a kind of completeness, where you know, everyone has what is needed and, and no one is lacking. That's that's shalom. That's, that's what you know we we're we're aiming towards. You see this this petition echoed in, in verse 16. May there be abundance of grain in the land, and on the tops of the mountains may it wave. And the picture here is is even the, the, the barren mountains waving with an abundance of grain. It it, it reflects the the longing of the people for the king and his kingdom to be so prosperous that there aren't any needy or hungry people in the land anymore because the the mountains are are prospering. Now, what does that sound like? Uh, I mean, it sounds kind of like Eden, except, you know, in this case, it'd be a, a renewed Eden, a restored Eden. Where everyone has what is what they need, in Leviticus chapter twenty-six, verses three to six, uh, God promised Israel, "If you walk in my statutes and observe my commands and do them, and get this, I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing." shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time of sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. Ah, oh, doesn't that just sound amazing? Just just overly prosperous, overly secure. That is what uh, David is, is praying for his son Solomon. May the land and the people prosper under the rule and reign of the king of Israel. Look at verse 4 may he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. Right, now in in ancient Egypt and, and Assyria and Babylon and, and even in, in many nations today, uh, kings and other political leaders are often judged successful by how well they do in military combat, right? Are they able to, to win at war? That's, that's kind of how we, we think of success today, but, and, and much of, you know, back in, in ancient times. But, but according to this psalm, Israelite kings were judged by how well they cared for the poor and needy among them. Isn't that interesting? As one commentator put it, uh, according to the theology of this psalm, poor is the, or power rather is to be achieved not by grasping for the most, but by caring for the least. Thus, may the king of Israel not only crush his oppressors. Not only is he going to uh, do well in, in his military campaigns but may he also care for the poor and the needy. This this first stanza really is a a prayer that God will give his justice and righteousness to the king of Israel. The the second stanza we see there, uh, beginning in verse five, uh, is a prayer for the king's long life and flourishing kingdom. Look at verse five. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. Um, Most of us likely weren't around uh, or or may not remember singing, uh, God save our gracious King. You know, it's it's been a few years, hasn't it? God save our gracious king, long live our noble king, God save the king, send him victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us, God save the king. For so many years it's been God save the queen. Uh, but now it's now it's changed. But this this petition here in verse 5. Uh, it, it asks more than just a, for, for a long life for the king. That's, that's too little to ask. No, instead, may they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. In other words, may the king of Israel live forever. Now that's, that's a big ask. Look at verses six to seven. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. And so like abundant showers on the earth, a good king nourishes the life of his people. There's a connection here between a righteous king and a righteous people. You know, where, where people who love God, who love God's word, who love God's people uh, are going to welcome a king, such a king who also loves God, who loves God's word and who loves God's people. They're going to welcome him in the same way that the grass of the field welcomes the rain in its season. And I'm sure you, you guys know the fields, the fields need <laughs> some moisture. It needs some snow. The fields will will gladly welcome that that rain. The result of of such harmony between a, a righteous king and a righteous people will be a fertile land. May the king of Israel's kingdom thus flourish. May it be a flourishing kingdom. In the third stanza, David prays for the king's worldwide dominion. Praise for the kings, worldwide dominion. Look at verse eight. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Right? Worldwide dominion. Now, now this reference to dominion, that, that goes all the way back to creation, right? And remember from our, our study in Genesis? Where God blessed the man and the woman and he commanded them to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that that moves on the earth. Genesis 1 verse 28. Well, then in, in Exodus chapter 23 verse 31, God promised Israel, I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines. right Sea to sea from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out. And so David's praying, may may the king of Israel have dominion from sea to sea. May his dominion reach to the ends of the earth. Uh, In the next few verses, David goes on to to pray very specific details about the, the king of Israel's rule. Look at verses 9 to 11. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. Like well, it sounds like the serpent in Genesis 3, right? He will crawl on his belly and lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. All right, so may Israel's enemies bow down before the king of Israel, may, may kings from the east and the west and the south and you know, from all over, may they, may they bring him gifts and, and may all the nations serve him. Right, now notice that uh, this dominion from sea to sea, it's not gained by a powerful army, right? It's that, that's not how his dominion is going to come about. In the fourth stanza, David prays that the king's dominion will come through worldwide recognition of his concern for justice and righteousness. So this goes back to the first stanza, doesn't it? Look at verses 12 to 14. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor in him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sights. One commentator writes, uh, this is not a king who neglects his responsibilities, fails to attend justice or uses his power to increase his own luxury and comfort. No, no, no. He will understand the plight of the poor and the needy. He will see their anguish. Then he'll rise to make recompense. Oppression and and violence, these are still things that that are rampant in the world today. We, We can look around, we can watch the news, we can see that oppression and violence is still around in the world today. But the expectation in this prayer is that the king of Israel will redeem the weak and the needy and the poor from oppression and violence. Now that word redeem uh, simply means to, to buy back. And uh, We see this, this principle laid out for us in the book of, uh, of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 25 verse 25 says, if your brother becomes poor and he sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. So in that in that case, the, the next of kin was to buy it back for his relatives so that it wouldn't fall into the hands of, of, uh, of neighboring countries or, or clans or anything like that. The, the responsibility was on the next of kin to be a redeemer. Well, here David prays not for the next of kin, but for the king of Israel, to redeem his people, and, and this is this is kind of contrary to to how David uh, lived at, at one particular point in his life, where you know, unlike David who covered over his sins at the cost of his loyal subjects, I think of David and Bathsheba and and, and the killing of Uriah. David prays that the king of Israel will have eyes to see that even the blood of nobodies is precious in God's sight. And so may the king of Israel be known for his care for the poor and the needy. In the fifth stanza, David prays for the, the king, the land, the people, and the nations. He kind of is, is heaping on all these, all these requests to God, look at uh, verses 15 to 17. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land on the tops of the mountains. May it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. May people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. These are, this is one petition after another petition after another petition. Clearly, David felt free to be able to come to the Lord with his, with his requests, with his petitions. The, uh, the, the reference to, to blessing here, uh, that, I mean, again, going back to, to Genesis, we should immediately be recalling God's promise to Abraham. where where the Lord said, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and and that in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 12 verses 2 to 3. David's prayer is that through the king of Israel, God's promise of blessing will come to fulfillment. May the king of Israel be a blessing to the nations. Psalm 72 ends with a, a fitting doxology. Um, though, though David's prayer has, has centered on the king of Israel, God is mentioned strategically both at the beginning and at the end. Uh, in conclusion, David prays in verses 18 to 19, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Uh, blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. And Amen. See, David, David understands that, that only the Lord, only the God of Israel can do what he's asking. Right? The, the Lord alone is sovereign. He alone can can grant the king perfect justice and perfect righteousness. He alone can make uh, not only the hills, but also the mountains be prosperous and, and wave with grain. He alone can give the king dominion to the ends of the earth. He alone can provide a king who will live forever. He alone can fill the earth with his glory. No other gods can do that. Only, only the Lord, only the God of Israel can do this. May God spread his perfect kingdom to the ends of the earth through his righteousness king. This is is really what David is praying for his son Solomon. May God spread his perfect kingdom to the ends of the earth through his righteous king. And this eventually became uh, the the prayer of the people of Israel whenever a new king was crowned. They would also pray this over the, the, the new king But there are ways in which Solomon, at least partially, fulfilled David's prayer here in Psalm 72. So let's look at some of these these connection points. In in verse 15, uh, David prayed for the king, long may he live. Well, in, in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 39, when Solomon was anointed king, all the people said, long live King Solomon. In verse 2, David prayed for the king. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Well, in, in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, uh, Solomon asked the Lord for an understanding mind to govern God's people, that he may discern between good and evil. And, and the Lord responded by giving Solomon a wise and discerning mind, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 12. In verse 16, David prayed for the king. Uh, may there be an abundance of grain in the land and may people... Uh, blossom in the cities. Well, in, in Sol- under Solomon's kingship, Judah and Israel were as many as the sand of the sea. And uh, they ate and drank and were happy, First Kings 4 verse 20 says. In, in verses 8 to 11, David prayed for the king. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. And in 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 21 It says that Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. In verse 10, David prayed for the king. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlines render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. Well, during Solomon's rule, people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth. 1 Kings 4, verse 34 says, Even the queen of Sheba came and brought him gifts, 120 talents of gold and, and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones, 1 Kings 10, verse 10 says. In verse uh, 18, David concludes his prayer for the king with the doxology. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. And in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 9, the queen of Sheba concludes her speech to King Solomon with a doxology, blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. And so we see the this this partial fulfillment of David's prayer here in, in Psalm 72, in King Solomon. And yet, and yet Solomon, in all his glory, and all his splendor never attained the just rule, the perfect peace, the the dominion to the ends of the earth, uh, or or the endless reign for which David prayed. He he only partially fulfilled it, but it wasn't fully fulfilled in Solomon. And In fact, after Solomon's death, uh, all the assembly of Israel came and said to, to Rehoboam, that's Solomon's son, your father made our yoke heavy, now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you, First Kings 12 verses 3-4. And when Rehoboam failed to comply, what happened? Ten of the tribes of Israel rebelled against him and seceded. Right, and, and then the, the following Davidic kings didn't even come close to the glory of Solomon. And then in, in 586 BC, the last Davidic king was taken away into Babylonian exile right, so that there were, there were no more kings from the house of David. That kind of, what do you do now with, with Psalm 72? You don't have a, a king from the house of David. Well, the people of Israel, they never forgot God's promise to King David. God's promise of your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. 2 Samuel 7 verse 16. They never forgot that. And so how did they now pray Psalm 72? Uh, After returning from Babylonian exile, how did they pray Psalm 72? Well, they prayed it with a focus on a future king a king like David and like Solomon but better but greater a king who would indeed rule justly whose kingdom would be marked by righteousness and peace and prosperity and whose dominion would spread would spread to the ends of the earth and endure forever they look forward to to a future king the prophet Zechariah in fact, Use the, the, the very words of Psalm 72, verse 8, to describe the dominion of the coming Messiah. Prophet Zechariah says, He shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Zechariah 10, verse 10. So when we come to the New Testament, we see that God's answer to David's prayer here in Psalm 72 is found in who? Jesus. It's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and and told her that she would conceive and bear bear a son. What did he say to her? He said, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Luke 1, verses 31 to 33. Wow. I mean, that, that immediately goes, goes back to, to Psalm 72. As soon as, as soon as Mary hears that. And thus we see even greater connection points between the the, the righteous king in Psalm 72 and Jesus Christ, the righteous king. In the days of King Solomon, all the kings of the earth came to render him tribute. While after Jesus was born, kings from the east came and paid tribute to Jesus. Matthew 2, verse 11 records that they fell down and worshipped him and offered him gifts. Gifts of blood, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the days of King Solomon, the people shouted, long live the king. While Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the people shouted what? Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Matthew 21 verse 9. David prayed for his son, King Solomon. He delivers the needy when he calls the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and on the needy and saves the lives of the needy. Well, when John the Baptist heard in prison what Jesus was doing, he sent messengers to uh, to uh, Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come or, or shall we look for another? He he wanted to he wanted to know if this was indeed the righteous king of Psalm 72. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, "Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. Deaf hear. The dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. Matthew 11 verses 3 to 5. That, that's, that's quite the list of poor and needy people. Is it not? Right? Blind. Lame. Lepers. Deaf. Dead. Poor. Right? We, we, we can go on. David prayed for his son King Solomon. From oppression and violence he redeems their life. And precious is their blood in his sight. Well, in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 to 25, the Apostle Paul writes that that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but that the precious blood of Christ has been shed on our behalf at the cross so that through faith in him, we are redeemed. We receive the redemption through faith in Jesus Christ from our greater enemies of sin and death and hell. But but the good news is, gets even better because Jesus didn't stay dead. In the days of Solomon, uh, Solomon ruled over the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the borders of Egypt. He did not reign to the ends of the earth. But in Ephesians 1, verses 20 to 21, the apostle Paul writes that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he seated him where? At the right hand uh, of the Father in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion that above every name that is named not only in this age but in the age to come how's that for dominion right in the days of king solomon judah and israel were as many as the sand by the sea well revelation 7 verses 9 to 10 what does that say the apostle john writes after this i looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is Christ. That's way more than said by the sea. Alright, one more. David prayed for his son, King Solomon. In his days, may the righteous flourish and peace abound till moon be no more. And he also prayed, May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. Well, these verses are what led Isaac Watts to, to write the words of the hymn. We should all be familiar with it. Jesus shall reign wherever the sun does the successive journeys run, his kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. How is that for an enduring kingdom? Indeed, we see the Lord Jesus Christ is God's answer to David's prayer in Psalm 72. But, okay, here's where the rubber meets the road. As we look around at the many injustices that we see in our world, we may wonder, okay, I'm seeing all these connection points, and I'm seeing where where Jesus is exhibiting this, this dominion to the ends of the earth, but I don't see it. Right, where, where is it? Where, where is Jesus' dominion to the ends of the earth? You know, where is the righteous judgment of the Messiah? Where is the lion lying down with the lamb? Where, where is the earth being filled with the knowledge of the Lord? Where is it? Right? Now, now certainly, when, when Jesus first came to this earth, he indeed brought God's kingdom of justice. Justice like had not been seen ever. But it was not yet in perfection because there's still injustice. Uh, Jesus indeed healed many sick people, but not all of them. He indeed preached good news to the poor, but not all of them. And this is the tension of Advent. It's it's this tension of, okay, some things are now. Some things are here. God's kingdom is, is here to some Respect. But it's not here in fullness. It's not fully and finally complete. It's not here like like we would expect it to be here yet. In Acts chapter 1, just before Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father, the disciples asked Jesus a question, a question that we can probably resonate with. Lord, will you at this time Restore the kingdom to Israel. But what does Jesus say? He says, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. I look at that and I I take that to mean, wait. Just wait. And, and, And so we wait. But we do not wait in vain. We do not wait without purpose. You know what? One day God's righteous king, Jesus Christ, will come again to, to spread God's perfect kingdom to the ends of the earth. One day we'll, we'll see all things fully and finally restored like what we read about in, in our call to worship in Isaiah 11. Oh man, what a, day, a glorious day it's going to be. But until that day, Jesus goes on to tell his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. To the end of the earth. And so as we wait, we are to be Jesus' witnesses. We are to be people who, who work for the justice of God's Kingdom People who defend the cause of the poor, who deliver the needy, and who have pity on the weak. You see, Psalm 72 isn't just about kings and, and other political leaders. No, it's, it's for all those who claim to be citizens of God's kingdom. And if, if we really do believe that, that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God the Father right now, ruling and reigning through his redeemed people, then we should be on mission. It should be our mission to take the the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth. Now, at the same time, our only hope, I want to be very clear, our only hope for perfect justice and perfect righteousness is not found in us. It's not found in me, it's not found in you, it's not found in well, we would say certain political leaders, maybe political leaders that we we strongly identify with. It's not found in kings or queens or anything like that, but in God's righteous King, Jesus Christ. He, He is our only hope for perfect justice and perfect righteousness. To. Exist on the earth. And therefore, as we wait and as we bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ through our words and through our actions, may we also be a praying people. Not just a waiting people, but a praying people. May we pray for his coming, that he will come again soon. That he will spread God's perfect kingdom to the ends of the earth, because ultimately that is going to be how how all of this is accomplished is through Christ's eventual second coming, when he will establish God's perfect kingdom on the earth, and where, where all things will be fully and finally restored. Jesus himself taught us to pray this, taught us to pray for this this coming kingdom in Matthew's chapter six, uh, verses nine to ten. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 20, as the the canon of scripture comes to a close, Jesus promises his people, Surely I am coming soon. So after reading Psalm 72, may we joyfully respond. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you caused the hope for the Messiah to rise up in the hearts of your people since the creation of the world. And you answered that longing in your son, Jesus Christ. We praise you for his care of the needy, for the peace and the salvation he brings to those who love him. Uh, we do, we, we pray for kings and for all those in positions of authority that you would give them your justice. That they might defend the cause of the poor. That they might deliver the children of the needy. That they, that they might have pity on the weak. Your word tells us to pray for, 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 for kings and, and, and those in authority. You pray this for them. Give them your justice, O oh God. We, we also long for the day when when, when every challenge to your rightful throne and every resistance to your rightful rule will be crushed, when at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. We, we pray for the coming of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, when he will rule from sea to sea and, and when his name will endure forever and, and when your promise To to Abraham, a blessing the nations will be fully realized in him. And so we pray, come, Lord Jesus. We we may have desires, things we might want to accomplish in in this life, but God, may the desire of our hearts be the coming of your son. Finish the work you began. Reign in perfect justice and righteousness. Fill the earth with your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.